What's up? It is another episode of the KC Podcast. We are live at, well, not live by the time you guys hear this, but we are at the SEMA Auto Show and we are wrapping up uh, day, what is this? Day three of the show. Um, I am, as usual, uh, flanked by Chuck Dempsey. And we are joined by Nick Nelson and David. Uh, both of them are racers and you guys do Ultra 4. Correct. Primarily, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, we'll just kind of uh, start start at the beginning. It's probably the best place we can. Uh, we've got a lot of people out there who kind of see you. I've, I've seen you on social. I've been following you for a while now. And actually, I steal a lot of your memes because they're funny as hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they perform really well for me. Um, so how did you get going into uh, all things off-road? Man, I started out riding motorcycles uh, when I was three years old. My parents got me into that early and kind of stuck with that until high school. Ended up getting into the Jeep game, rock crawling, stuff like that. And, you know, trying to do everything in your driveway with a grinder and a high lift and stuff like that. I couldn't even, couldn't weld, didn't have a welder. Had to hire some, you know, I got everything set up. Had, some, had a welder come out, weld everything together for me. And that was kind of like my first build was a YJ. How old were you? Uh, 17. Oh, badass. Uh, so, where'd you grow up? North Carolina. Okay. All right. You guys you guys have a lot of good crawling out there? There is. There's a lot of good trails out there around, you know, that whole Tennessee, North Carolina area. There's there's a ton of trails out there, and it's a lot different than here. You know, we a lot of water, a lot of rocks and water, mud mix, and so yeah. it's totally different than the slick rock stuff you see, like, in Moab, where you have infinite traction sure. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like sandpaper for your tires. Yeah, it's nuts, man. How much, yeah. you, you can get yourself in trouble because you can get places you probably shouldn't be. You shouldn't be going. <laughs> Um, so are you, you're based out of California now or are you still out there? No, I've been in Vegas for 12 years oh, now. Vegas. Yep. That's right. So you, you moved over to the West coast to just pursue racing. Yeah. I had a shop out there, a little shop when I was 21 and just kind of building crawlers and, uh, we were, tried to help put on a little race just to get things going, but there's just not a lot of land like there is here. You know, we don't have big desert races and stuff like that, obviously. Um, so we we kind of put a little little race on and some trails and it was all right but we really wanted to go racing and that was when king of the hammers had just started and so i decided to while it was in that point where i wasn't tied to anything serious i could move i grabbed my crawler and took off for vegas and started doing everything here you know it's interesting one thing that came up uh in a few conversations was how on the east coast and as you get more inland and you go towards the east coast uh it's harder and harder to find places to actually like crawl because there's not as much public land or at least there's not like what we have here which is a lot of blm land that people like you know are able to get out there like johnson valley and just screw around do whatever they want um is it the same case you know where you were from when, when you were starting out yeah like our best place to go local was part of a club and it was all private land okay then yeah. uh you know but we would go and teleco is now closed that was a good place back in the day uh Harlan, Kentucky was really good, but it's all kind of smaller areas. I mean, they cover some land, but it's not like free reign like the desert here to kind of just go wherever you want. It's it's real specific, stick to the trail, and they're defined. That's kind of pay to play. Too. Yeah, and then, you know, like you said, it's becoming more and more that private land thing where a lot of the parks are owned by somebody who wants to keep keep it open. Right. Because Teleco's gone. Uh, same way we were, you know, having a battle for the King of the Hammers area in Johnson Valley to stay open. We raised a bunch of money for that, and, you know, We've been to meetings for the Mint 400 course area here in Vegas, trying to keep that open in Oceano Dunes. And yeah. I mean, it's a constant battle yeah. here or there. For yeah, sure. no doubt. It seems like uh, as soon as they get some traction, I mean, it's just one after another, like a domino effect. 
Yeah, Colorado's, you know, got, it seems to be a big problem there too because originally, you know, you had everybody against the off-roaders and now now the, the hikers are kind of turned against the mountain bikers even. Yeah, and so yeah. it's like <laughs> now it's even more divided than ever. So That's something that a lot of people don't know. Like even on mountain biking, you've got the conservationists going after those guys because like the impact that they have or the ruts that they put into the trails and it's like, yeah, but I mean, they stick to the trail for the most part. Uh, the average mountain biker is not really out there, you know, crossing through stuff. That yeah, I don't think many well people defined. boondock on a mountain yeah, bike. No. <laughs> so I don't know, man. I think part of it, it really comes down to people need to be maybe a little bit better at stewards of the environment. And then also just kind of stick to the stuff that we have and keep that good and, and proper so that they can stay open and they don't get shut down and open it up for other trails around it to get shut down too. Like, yeah, like it's all it ammo. Anything bad is just ammo. Yeah, so. Pismo Beach is just getting, you know, shut down like bit by bit by bit. Yeah, yeah. we just I went out for the the Terra takeover and and hucked that big pipeline jump with those guys, and uh, yeah, I mean that was a battle. It's it's still happening right now. It's it's been tabled I think for some kind of more study environmental impact sure. study, but uh, yeah, it's not safe right now, and it's already. I was talking to Sandy Cohn while we were out there from Cohn Industries, and you know he's like, we used to get on dirt bikes and go. 100 miles down the beach like it's not there anymore yeah you can't do it it's all parceled off now yep. yeah or they come up with some like three-legged frog that they're trying to protect or <laughs> you know like a <laughs> jackrabbit that stings you or something you know they, they always got something that they're throwing out there that we got to watch out or you know like i've been racing my whole life and i think i've only seen like three turtles in the, my whole life yeah. you know out in the desert but um well, besides all that, like so, so when you moved out to Vegas, were you were you racing full time, or did you did you have a different career going on before you got into full blown racing, or are you doing both now? And uh, so I, I was doing fab work back east, and that's kind of what I, I came out here and immediately had a job building stuff here, building cages and cars and suspension and stuff. So, kind of just went straight back into that, and I still had the crawler at the time. I didn't have a race car. It was a uh, it was a full blown East Coast buggy compared to you know what we would race in. It yeah. had Rockwell axles and forty seven inch LTBs, like big monster tires, air shocks. The thing was just terrible in the bumps, right. yeah. but it would crawl like you know they laughed at it when they saw it, the hammers until they saw you like you know Called people trying everything. to climb back door and you can back up it and back down it and drive up it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it turned. They were like, whoa, this thing like, worked good in the rocks, but it's horrendous in the desert. Uh, so we decided put that up for sale after i watched that hammers that first hammers and built uh built the first race car which was a straight axle car with tiny shocks and junkyard axles and motor and that was the start you know like it was it was still a rock crawler with some bypasses and that's and is that what got you into ultra four racing that, that was that was the start of ultra four that was 2010 king of the hammers i believe and that's uh so we've been racing since which and then king of the hammers is like one of the longer it's one of the longer ultra four races right yeah, my first full season that I ran in Ultra Four was 2012, and we did all we did the Mint, we did Vegas Torino, in that series. It was part of the series back then, uh, which was which was what really brought me in. I I, I liked the desert, but I liked the rocks, so I it, I thought it was a good way to kind of transition and be able to do some of both, you know, with the same vehicle. That's awesome. And then, what? So from there, where'd you go? Like, how did the build and or the projects? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, you know, that first race car in its entirety, I spent, I built it for thirty thousand dollars, you know, and now we spend more on motors than just that, you know, <laughs> like my shocks are almost that much. Uh, we you know, we had two inch bypasses, and and now this, you know, we fast forward through the, uh, we went into the A arm game with the next, so we we drove the straight axle car, and replaced the axle housing every time we drove the race car, like it just couldn't go fast and not come apart. Right. So that's when Randy Rod and I at Jimmy's decided to 
jump into the the A arm game and see if we could figure that out. So we did so a lot of research. So A arm is that like independent suspension? Yeah, A arm, just like a, like a trophy truck yep. or you know like okay. a desert truck or all the new independent A arm front ends that come in most production vehicles. Right. But uh, just to try to get something that worked, that would go faster in the bumps and, and stay together. Was it a different type of driving versus like having a solid axle vehicle? Yeah, it just opened up everything. I mean, it's, you go from a, a hydraulic steering that wanders to a, a, a you know a true trophy truck rack that's super positive, good pump. You know, I mean, all of our steering stuff is amazing now, sure. and, and the control you have compared to the solid axle car. And then in addition to just the thing staying on the you know the unsprung weight, so so much better that the thing stays on the ground and actually tracks. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, back when I was racing with uh, Speed Technologies, we had a guy named JT Taylor. And he was, uh, he was like one of the first guys in rock crawling. And man, the whole team, it was JT came over to, onto the desert team to help out. You know, he was like our chase guy. And man, the whole team just gave him a lot of shit because he was like a rock dork and we were desert guys, you know. And we never thought that we never, well, JT knew, but all the whole team or the rest of like the desert guys were just like, man, those, that, that those, that's never going to get big. It's not, it's not cool. It's not fun or whatever, you know, like everybody had their own opinions and, and it's kind of cool to see how that that whole thing has evolved. And you go out to the King of the Hammers now, and it's just it's a badass event, right? They got screens out in the middle of the desert. You can go to this beat and watch watch it. I mean, Dave Cole's done an awesome job at putting that thing together, and it's just really grown. It's it's made it where it's cool racing. It's like badass racing, you know. I actually talked to David today, and we were discussing, like, you know, King of the Hammers and how we were out there last year, and yeah. kind of what we went through, and it's like, hey, you know what, instead of just having, like, a little booth, like, we should take everyone, like, on a night run, yeah, and actually, like, bring them into it, and, like, have them have, like, a smaller experience at the Hammers with us, you know, so. Yeah, no, you know. I, I agree. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. He's, he's done an awesome job, and, and uh, you know, all their equipment from the time when JT had, I can't remember, what it, was, it was a blue rig that he had. I, can't, I know they that he had. It, yeah, old blue. Oh, blue, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, compared to the rigs then to now, it's, they, they really really improved and, and right. they're, they're pretty pretty crazy machines, you know? Yeah. In my first race, uh, we raced up there in Reno, and Roger Norman was riding with JT. Yeah. And I we pulled up to this – they had this bonus line drop that was, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 feet, and it was straight down. And he <laughs> I got out, and I, I recognized Roger. You know, we were just getting – this is our first, first, first yeah. race ever. Yeah. We get out, and he's like – you going down that? We're like, yeah. He's like, I got to get my camera. He ran over. He wanted to see somebody, <laughs> see what yeah, was going to happen yeah. here. So that was, uh, we had a good time, man. It was fun. We were, uh, we finished that race and got into hammers. That's how we kind of got our start. So JT was, you know, JT's been around since day one with us. Yep. And, and uh, obviously still, still a big part of it today. Yeah. No, it's, I remember I went out, it was actually before the first getting the hammer. They had a couple runs out there. It was, it was actually a different organization. And they went up. To, I can't remember which one it was. It was one of the canyons, and I wa- I I drove my pre runner out there, and I go like, these guys, they, these guys are fucking idiots, and they can't go up that. There's no way you can yeah. go up that. And they did it in like seven minutes, right? And so I was just like, oh my god. And that's when that was my first seeing what these things do. And I was like, like it looked like you couldn't even walk up it, you know, for us and for right. desert racing, you know. And and it went up, and I think it it was pretty quick, and everybody was pretty impressed, and. It's it's pretty cool. It's, it's a crazy piece of machinery for sure. I mean, the first time I ever heard about an Ultra Four race was back when I was working for the Torque Off Road Championship. I was a photographer, and that in itself was like crazy. You see these like crazy ass Pro Four, Pro Two trucks like ripping around a short course. I mean, it was impressive. But then I found out about like the Ultra Four racing and like 
how it almost combines like the two worlds together, just melds them together. I was like, these vehicles take so much abuse and and then like, you know, get rattled on the rocks. You're, you're going like pretty flat out like on in the actual desert and it has to be the best of both worlds. Like, is that really hard to like, is that really hard to balance the two pieces together? Because I mean, you're either in our world, it's either you're like rock crawling or, you know, you're out in the desert like Baja style for the most part. But your world, it just brings both of those pieces together. So your rig is, it's not, I don't know, like, is it kind of like making the best general use vehicle? Yeah, I think so, man. And what, like you said, we borrowed, we, when we decided to build that A-arm car, we borrowed as much like technology. We don't need to make a mistake that somebody's already made. Whatever they've learned, we wanted to capitalize on. So we borrowed a lot of technology from Trophy Truck and Pro 4s to build a four-wheel drive truck that worked in the desert and the rocks and the short course. Right. And uh, we were the first we were the first team to go to Gearworks here in Vegas and, and be like, hey, we want we want the 36 spline gun drill trophy truck stuff, ran a true trophy truck, you know, like a to tube works housing, you know, mm. all the big parts and real hubs. And because uh, that fixed, that, that was the problems we were having was drive, like the drivetrain wasn't made from a 1979 one ton axles, not made to go through the bumps at 100 miles. Sure, you're snapping axles, drive And uh, a lot of people looked at me like I was nuts for spending the money on this stuff. But in the first season, it more than paid for itself because I didn't have to cut spindles out and replace housings and replace all this stuff because the stuff was intended for that. And so uh, reliability, like that was our first season, we won national championship in that car. We won Vegas Serena. We won the Mint. We won all these big races because we had a car we could run and would stay together all day. Yeah, I mean, it's in, in for the people out there that don't know the difference between short course and desert racing, you cannot race a trophy truck in short course. You, just, you can't do it. You can't even it's compete. Set up. It's set up specifically, it's completely right? different yeah. setup. And you can't run a short course and go do the ball 1000 on it because it will never make it, right? So they basically took two impossible machines to beat right. and kind of put it in one and then add rock crawling to it at the, sa at the same thing. So they, they, they kind of root, you know, change the sport in a sense uh, in, in those years. Like that's, that's when the years that he's coming into it was the years that they were, these guys were changing the sport. You were actually like building the sport. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough being on the front edge. You know, we're the, we're the guinea pigs, and we we kind of have to stay that way um, to stay in the front of the game. You know, like the, these new cars we've raced the last two years, I think was the first time we made an, a legit Ultra Four car that was capable to go compete in the desert against real trucks, not run in the back. But yeah, uh, we were able to set the overall pole in Trophy Truck and Prim. We won the longest jump and dike jump and trophy truck in an Ultra Four, so you know it was a lot of a lot of funny jokes about the rock donkey coming out and doing <laughs> yeah. work and stuff. And it's it was kind of the culmination of all this, all the stuff that we've put together over the years, you know. And and it's a lot of it, like I said, is borrowed from the the people who were having success in, in the other in the other sports. Yep, yep. No, that's, that's super cool. Um, and then we we got David here too. I don't want to make you just sit here like by yourself. <laughs> You're good, buddy. Um, so. <laughs> How was your start? Like, and, and are you kind of similar to Nick, where you were at the beginning of the Ultra? No, four I actually came into it later. I've only been racing Ultra Four for two seasons now. I'm an old. I grew up racing motocross. Started when okay. I was eight. Ran until I was 18. Uh, got the the ultimatum. Parents were like, "You can try going pro, or you can go to college." Okay. So they went supported to school. you at least. Yeah, yeah. well, I, w I went to school <laughs> and uh, decided to make some money and then go back to racing when I could do it right. And uh, was fortunate enough to do pretty well. Then I moved out west to Colorado and picked up Ultra 4. 
with, you know, with, with age comes the cage. You're, you're sick of getting beat up on the dirt bikes. So went to the next best thing. You're in a different class though from Nick. Yeah, I'm in the 4800 class, so the class below them. Uh, the restrictions in my class is we have to be on a 37 DOT tire, have a solid front axle and one shock per corner. And that's the difference between our two classes, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, that's that doesn't give you a lot of room. Yeah, to, it, like, is a, adjust, it is right? a brutal class. It's a driver's class. It's highly competitive. <laughs> um, I was lucky to come out the first year, and I was second on the West Coast, fourth of the nation. Nice my rookie year and repeated the same thing this year with some much, much harder races. Going down doing King of Baja, you know, it was awesome to go down there and race this year. And th then we did uh, Ridgecrest as well, which is another really long race. So the West Coast Series got how super, long, how super. How long is the race? Uh, Baja was about 100, I think 120 miles. And then Ridgecrest is about 165 in total. And, yeah. and what's the mileage on King of the Hammers total? What was last year? I want to say it's about the first lap's 90, the second lap was about 85, but uh, this year they're saying it's gonna be much different course. Seems okay. like it's gonna be a lot more desert race than the rock races we've seen in the past. So really looking forward to that. Did, did you guys, do you guys seem to have more failures on the cars in the desert section or more in the rock sections? We have failures everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I would say a lot of people's well, how cars. About, how about are, your cars? Let's, let's go by that. Let's go by your cars. You, you seem I've, to have more problems with yours in the. You know, I prep stuff hard breaks. and I've finished every race. So oh, awesome. I'm, I'm super one of those fortunate guys that I've finished everything. And uh, only first year at Hammers was the only race I didn't finish. So we had a transfer case that went out in the rocks. But it's all about where you push it. I mean, the car, yeah, the car has to be. Case. Yeah. Fell off. Well, the output, out. output shaft pretty much just exploded, and we knew our we weren't going to finish in front-wheel drive. Gotcha. So, uh, car's got to be good two things, and it's just hard because a car that's set up for the rocks is you're going to beat the, it to death in the desert and vice versa. Well, that's so. kind of what I was, like, asking Nick about is, like, so you have these two different things that you have to balance. Like, where, where do you, like, do you, like, do you prioritize one thing over another because you know you're better at in that versus like you're better on the maybe you're better in the desert than you are in the rocks like yeah man i think in uh, in my opinion survival in the rocks is just not doing something stupid if you got a winch winch if you know and just uh just trying to take it easy on the car as much as you can in there and you guys actually it, get out and throw we, a line we usually don't we don't have to a lot i mean but it happens you know the cars and, and i like you said so I, I tailored my car more for the desert it's longer wheelbase okay same width as a trophy truck. It's 91 and a half inches wide. It has 123 inch wheelbase. We're right there, almost trophy truck yep. size. Just don't have the overhang like the trophy trucks do. Uh, but it's all AR, armor plate belly. Like, I mean, there's all these other things we do to make it survive in the rocks. But our center of gravity and the, the way that car works is, is more similar to a trophy truck or a Pro 4. So in the desert, we can make up enough time to get away from people and then just try to survive the rocks. Yeah, you're, like, more take your, you're, you're gonna take your time through that course versus somebody else might actually like be like, I'm good with the rocks, I'm gonna like haul ass through here. Yeah, you can't, I don't, in my opinion, you don't really win it in the rocks, but you can lose it there. Okay. You just, if you you just have to get through it efficiently. Yeah, because we can put, I mean, any anybody in a straight axle car, it's just not fair. Like, I mean, we're gonna, they don't have a chance to keep up with you in the desert. And you can put some major, I mean, if you're doing 100, that car will do 100, 115 in the bumps all day long, right. where a solid axle car, it's just, I mean, not, 
You're getting rocked. Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah. So you, they Your have to make a Your can't take it. Well, I take my yeah. Jeep. I take my Jeep 75, just in the desert, and I'm like, my my feelings are like coming out of my teeth. Yeah. 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 I mean, this truck right now will do like up the big the big whoops at Night Ranch that we test in. It'll do 115 as a rock crawler in the big bumps. So nice. I mean, it does pretty good. So uh, speaking of rocks, uh, I just fucking I've watched this clip so many times of you. Was it at Prim, where you uh, you got backwards and then you reversed through the finish line? To get no, to Prim was the we raced battle we raced battle at Prim and we won. The, that was the, the dike jump. Okay. We won the longest okay. jump there. Got it. Uh, the the backflip Ricky Bobby finish was yeah. <laughs> uh, the nationals in Reno the year before. <laughs> Dude, that was so badass. Well, yeah, well, let's let's, uh, let's just let's you know talk about it. So take us take us to that yeah. race. Yeah. Man, that, that that race weekend was rough. We had a really good qualifying, and in the prelim, a dude missed a line coming down the hill because it's blind dust, and he smoked a boulder pile and started cartwheeling down. And I was going to pass him as he did it. And so he's upside down, but the boulders he hit launched down the hill. Shit. And we're coming to a pinch point, and I tried to outrun the boulder, and it just smoked <laughs> me in the driver's side tire and broke an axle. So I'm in the front of the heat, but I just had to climb those hills in three-wheel drive, and the car just wanted to turn in a circle. So we ended up finishing third, but even finishing third, that pushed us back in the main. And we were in traffic, and there was two pileups on the start, which were they stopped the race for. And the second time, they didn't regroup us. They actually they left us out there in our frozen spot. And so we only put enough fuel in for the main, so I shut the car off because we'd already restarted twice and done extra laps now. And I was worried I was going to run out of fuel. And I'm sitting there, and people kept stepping on the radios and stuff. And, and all of a sudden, cars just start taking off. And I'm sitting there with my car off. I just, <laughs> I'm like I'm about to freak out, you know. <laughs> and cars are just blowing by me. I had to get it started, get and take off. And we ended up catching the leader on the last lap and I was I got down within like about a half second of him at the finish line and I knew I couldn't catch him and my dude on the radio was like you can't get him just get it here there's nobody behind you and I was like man we, we came here to win this race like we're gonna we're just gonna stand on it put on a show and hope for the best and <laughs> I didn't expect it to get that to get that rowdy but it did so how did, how did it feel when uh, you were going through that like, I just didn't want to end up on my roof. Like I was, I was watching and waiting for the dirt to come around so I could stand on it and not let that thing go back over it. Like if I got back to tires, we were gonna go across the line. Right, but the way you got across the line was pretty unique. Yeah, I was, I was facing backwards. I saw the car, the car kind of pirouetted around, and I was watching, just hoping I had enough speed and momentum to get back to the rubber. And as soon as it kind of came around, I, it like landed perfectly backwards. So instead of wasting the time to turn around, I just threw it in reverse. That was just like it. a split second decision huh like yeah and then i was gonna try to be all smooth and like rockford spin it back around but I, it didn't feel good and i was like i'm, end up now doing I'm, it. I'm like now i'm gonna roll it twice right in a row i gonna be upside down so i decided to just stop oh man i saw so i've seen a different couple different angles of that and my favorite one was like somebody did it from the stands and you just see people lose their shit like, i think that's my favorite part of the video yeah. is just like somebody the other dude had already won yeah. And so, and, the, and, you and, and the there's really, hero. and there's nobody cheering, and all of a sudden you see like how people come <laughs> unglued, and it's just, it was just a raw reaction from people, which is super cool to see. I think they were there, they were like living this whole thing unfolding, and right. and thinking like it was going to go badly, and then it didn't. Well, it's like people connect, people connect with that kind of heart, you know, like that's heart right there. That's somebody who's like, I'm not fucking giving up. I'm, yeah. I'm doing this. I, I can't tell you how many people came over after that and said it was the coolest thing they've ever seen and like it was the best race they've ever watched and it was and because we had to come through the we, we were half a second behind him at the finish line we lost eight seconds trying to restart the car and had to come through traffic so I mean I think they really wa got to see 
that whole thing unfold from battling through traffic from the back and then having that happen and it's still a getting struggle. It, it was just one of those things like, yeah, it's just they got to see it all unfold in one in, at one time. People identify with the struggle. I mean, uh, David, you, you kind of touched on it about, you know, still working and also doing this. And a lot of people from the outside look at it and go, oh, this is his full time job. This is all they do. But the reality sometimes is you might actually have a career alongside yeah. this passion, right? Yeah, a lot of the Ultra 4 racers that I know, full-time jobs, weekend warriors, um, they either own their own shop, a lot of them, or they're nine to five guys, and they they take a lot of time off from work to make it happen. It's, it's a cool community, too, because it's still somewhat grassroots. Everybody's close-knit. No one wants to... They want to beat you on the course, not in the pits. Everyone right. goes out of their way to help. So it's just a good group of guys in general. Yeah, I, not I noticed that actually back when, with the Pro 4 guys. Like, there wasn't a lot of shit that happened. Like, people were helping each other out even yeah. at that level. It's, it was cool to see a lot of, a lot of good sportsmanship. Uh, me and Chuck were talking about that, though, about like having that job and still building, building cars for other people or, you know, and racing as well. I mean, you, you do the same, right? Yeah, I still build uh, every day, and I have you know other companies that I that I have that I have to run day to day and have to be there all the time. So I think a lot of people I I can't tell you how many people have been like, oh, you don't you don't like just show up at the race and get in your car. And I was like, no, I'm the only one that works on it. So I spend every hour in there, and they had no idea that we won the stuff we won out of a garage, you know, where we were the one. And I built the car too, so a lot of people had no idea that I built my own cars and do all, a lot of the design work and stuff like that. Yeah, what, what Ollie's talking about is, um, you know, there's, uh, you, you guys both share the same passion, right? You both love racing, you love, you know, building your stuff, working on your stuff, but at sometimes, um, you know, it hasn't happened to, to Nick yet because he's probably not old enough, but uh, sometimes, you know, when you, when you go in your direction of life, like, oh, this is what I want to do, I want to be a, you know, pro motocross or whatever well you know after a while sometimes when you start doing your hobby that turns into a job yeah. then you kind of lose a little bit of like man i really don't feel like going in that garage but rewind three years before you had your car you're like i'd be in that garage every damn day working on it if i had one you know so it's just kind of like you get into these little like you know we can call them slumps it's just yep. like it's just like everyday life you get burned out i mean i'm sure nick goes in his shop and he's like man i just worked on four people's cars and I still got three hours on there, um, but if he doesn't get it done, yeah. he's he just lost another day of stuff, right? So right. it's like ongoing, ongoing, and and um, there's there's I want to say that there's very few people that stay in it from the beginning, that's done it for a long period of time and stay in it till the end, because it is it is hard. Like people think Nick probably more on Nick than they do him because. Oh, Nick just shows up and he goes racing, but really, it's more drag on Nick. Because, I don't want to say drag. I'm maybe not using the right words, but I'm saying there's more on him because he never gets a break right. from it, you know. And so it, it kind of gets a little bit of a poor Nick. Yeah. Yeah, poor me. <laughs> I mean, there's days where I gotta go weld 12 hours on a on a building, and right. then come back to the shop and spend whether it's spending three or four Is more that hours. Nine to five. I, I have all I have a couple things I, I have the welding company that we do commercial welding like we do million square foot buildings and then we do and then I build cars and suspension pieces for people all the time yeah. so my shop's always full <laughs> um, so yeah it's just like you said it's just it never ends and it's been 10 years of racing professionally 
So that's a lot wow. of prep. That's a lot of hours in prep over 10 years, you know, and you consider the amount of hours that go into a car every race at a, doing a proper, proper prep on. Yeah, I mean, I remember, you know, I started racing. I did my first ball when I was 15, and I'm going to my 34th ball hall 1000 this year, right? So kind of been doing it for a long time, and there's things in there that I used to just love about all of it, just everything about it. Now I don't like working on the stuff that much. I mean, I got guys in the shop now that, that I, they get to do a little more, but I used to at one point, I loved everything. I, I wanted to be on every nut and bolt, sure. and now it's just like, but, I, but the passion to race is still there super strong, so that's the sacrifice. You're like, I love the racing so much, so I'm going to go do this, you know? That's the drive. That's what that's makes us drive, keep going. Yeah. Like that, yep. that being in that helmet in the race car is what makes you go through all that other pain and suffering. Yeah, no doubt. And it's, mean, and it's hard sometimes to even, you know, I got family members that, you know, obviously they've been around me for 50 years and they're like, what the hell are you getting out of that? Or why are you doing that? doesn't even make sense. It's like, you know, why are you in the, you've been in the garage for 23 hours straight and you just because to go make your race, <laughs> just go do the next race. Right. You know, like they just, it does. What's just the big people, deal? Yeah. So people like, just don't I'm understand. I'm not racing and come in last. Yeah, yeah. No. So yeah. it's kind of cool, like all across the board is like that right like whether you're rock racer or you're a short course driver or you're you know motorcycle racer surfer it's all it's all the same thing it's it's the passion that drives that drives you at uh, all all ends of it yeah it's the difference between passion and obligation i mean well, i think you see that difference pretty easily like when you watch a race you know you see the guys that are there's a hand, there's only a handful of dudes and in every series you know it doesn't matter if you're trophy truck or driving a 1600 car or rock crawler like there's a handful of dudes that show up that are racing in the front that are serious and then there's other people who they're getting drunk at night and having a good time which is totally cool like that's yeah. that's their yep. outlet to go have fun and there's and there's room for everybody to do that yeah but yeah you see you see the guys who like us who, who really like put everything into it that put it all out is that kind of like the difference between like take a marathon for instance like a marathon you get thousands of people running it none of them not not none of them but like the majority of them have no intention of coming in any kind of place they don't care they're just there. They're just doing it as the accomplishment and the fun of it. Do you find like any of the guys in the field like are they there because they can be? They built the car. They enjoy it. But if they don't win, they're they're cool. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. I think there's it's just about the experience. They're they're still getting the same experience. They're out there. They're enjoying something that they like to do. Probably with their friends, family, whoever you know their crew is. It's probably a bunch of friends that are doing it together, and that's super rad. I mean, that's part of what built you know what built the sport in the first place is people that just enjoy what we do we just decide to push it to the limit and decide to spend all our money and time and be idiots right. so. well it's like you got <laughs> it's like you're like the elites in the field and then you've got the guys who are just happy to be there right for sure yeah i mean yeah. i think there's room for everybody that which is and that's what's cool about our sport like like dave said is uh i mean i've i've ran out on the course and and fixed a, a competitor's car who's somebody that we're battling for a championship against <laughs> and they've done the same for me like I, awesome. I can say i mean i can think of times that it's, it's gone both ways and I mean, I, I helped my, me and Lauren Healy are teammates and we race in unlimited and we both won national championships and I helped design the car that he sits in every day. Right, uh, right. We both race against each other. But at the end of the day, like, I don't want to beat somebody because, you know, they, I got something they don't. I want to be, I want you to have something better and then I want to beat you. And no matter <laughs> what, like, yeah. And no matter what, it's like, something, you right? want to feel like you actually earned it, right? For sure. Like, no one, no handout. Somebody go, fails, right. like, it's like, I didn't really, I mean, I don't know if I would have won if he didn't fail, you know? I've had people try to get me to race, like, the four-wheel drive trophy truck, 
down down in other classes, like as, as a 4400, in, like in in Baja, and I'm yeah. just like, because it's legal. Yeah. But I just I can't. I have no problem racing the the rock crawler as a trophy truck because you're racing up. So yeah, when you go yeah. do work, it means something. But sandbagging it down the other way, I, I just can't. I can't put my name on that. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. That would just feel wrong. That's right. No, I think it was like I think it was. I can't remember if it was 2007 or 2009. We're in content. We're going to the Ball 1000. We're in content to win the championship and score uh, series. And I had to beat one guy by like four positions. And so I come across the finish line, and I stayed out there till two o'clock in the morning to make sure that he didn't come in there when he came. Right? Comes across the finish line. He gets out of his car. I'm standing there. Gets out of the car, and he's like. Dude, he's like, you're a true sportsman. I'm like, no, like, what do you mean? Like, you know, I thought he was saying because we won. He's like, I broke an axle. I pulled into your pit, and your guy gave me the axle. That's so and funny. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're going to have yeah. a talk. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's just, that's just part of the whole, you know, obviously we didn't win the championship because he got the finish and because of my axle. But right. that's just part of, like, the family of racing, you know, like. You're going to get yours, and they're going to get theirs, and it's just, especially when you're doing it as much as we've done it, you see these people all the time, you know? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You don't want to have these, like, bad blood situations where every year you're you're up against the same people, and it just gets worse and worse, right? No, I mean, we've been broken out on trails before, you know, and you're just, you're there, you're a spectator for the rest of the day, and so you help winch people or send them in the right direction so you don't end up with a traffic jam where none of the guys can race it out like right. just do whatever you can to make things go smooth and help everybody yeah. out like it's, yep. just, it's all good yeah i've been on you know on our end like we do a lot of like what we call rock landing we've got these big overland rigs and we take off on like trails like up north like sourgrass or slick rock we just did and went out with a bunch of friends and one of our guys adam i mean his whole philosophy he has they all have like purpose-built rock crawlers and his whole philosophy is no matter what if we ever see somebody stuck somewhere We'll stop everything we're doing, and we'll go pull them out, yeah, and make sure they're good, and then we go on with our day. So it's it's got a, it's a good mentality to have, for sure. Yeah, you well, see that a lot. I think dirt bike guys, we all rode dirt bikes. I believe, most a lot of us rode dirt bikes yeah. or whatever, and then rock crawler guys or just people out in the desert tooling around. Like most people, I think if you see somebody or somebody stopped in Mexico pre-running, you always stop and check on them. You know, yeah. see if they, even if you don't have something to help them, you at least check, make sure they don't need water or sure. need you to radio somebody or do something. You know, yeah, because I think we've all kind of been in a situation that's really sucked before and like we we all wish somebody would have taken the time to kind of like lend a hand so when the opportunity comes up it's like you know uh, we were it's like paint it forward on the trail yeah for well, sure because you're gonna need it one day for sure if you go out there you're gonna need it yeah i mean I, we did this like casey summer camp event i was driving back in my jeep and you know the the road leading to camp was just this crazy washboard like nightmare i mean and it was like three miles of it and so a lot of people ended up with similar issues, but a lot of shit started backing out on people's stuff. Well, my two caliber bolts on the front right, I guess, started to back out. And by the time I got to the border of uh, California and Arizona, um, I got off on an exit, and luckily it was going uphill. The two bolts fully backed out. My rotor rotated forward on the on the on the disc, and uh, on the rotor, and uh, my caliper rotated forward on the rotor, and. <laughs> snapped my lines, lost pressure, like managed to get it over to the side. And as I'm like in 114 degree weather, some dude pulls up and him and his buddy get out, they get underneath my Jeep. They're trying to figure out like how they can stop the, the bleed so I can maybe like limp it over. Like that kind of thing, like, you know, for sure, I'm the guy also like wanting to go help somebody else. Cause I've been there, you know? 
Um, and I'm sure it's just the same as, as it is for racing like you're talking about. It's yeah, really I think cool. it's fun having pre-running racing. It, it just goes across. Even boat. I mean, same thing in a boat. If you want a boat, you've probably been towed in once. Yep, like, yep, you yep. probably help somebody else. Yep. <laughs> That's rad. Um, how, do the, how does, like, family um, kind of factor into everything? I mean, you guys, you, you both have families. I'm assuming that's probably a better one for Dave, especially he's just a uh, he's a new daddy over here. Okay. Oh. But yeah, no, I mean, luckily for me, it's been it's been easy because I don't have a wife and kids that I have to you know really worry about. I was able to put racing and whatever I want okay. to do in At the forefront. In the forefront, correct. And well, I'll let Dave answer the other one because obviously he's the family <laughs> man, so he's probably got a little bit more <laughs> that he had to talk about. Well. I've been a dad officially for a week and a half now. Oh, God. <laughs> it's our uh, our first. Oh, I thought it's, it was Vegas that made you look like you were tired, but it's really no, just being No, it's, it's a lack of sleep for sure. <laughs> uh, but, no, luckily I have a super supportive wife. Um, we just support each other's passions. She's a, a doctor, and, like, I've been there all through medical school, and it was like we're never going to stand in the way of each other's dreams, and she knows racing's mine, and she loves it because I love it. And it, that makes things easy, easy, easy. Like, and I feel bad for a lot of guys I know because come to the track, the wife's mad at them, whatever else. Right. It's just like, it's I cold, like... It's cold, it's windy, it's dirty. She, yeah, <laughs> she wants me to leave with a clear head and keep a clear head while I race, and it really does help. That's awesome. Yeah, no, yeah that's I'm, awesome. I'm super blessed by that. Takes the pressure off. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, one thing we haven't even talked about, and like, you know, we try not to make things too commercial, but Casey has been part of part of the journey as well right i mean it's it's helped uh it's helped get you through um races i mean can you can you tell me a little bit how that relationship started and uh how it's been having the product yeah it actually started i started out in 2012 we had like a an, another kind of off more off-brand light sponsor and we we won a race and with a 10 inch light bar on the front we couldn't see anything and somehow <laughs> everybody had lights except us like on the car we and we somehow pulled it off and won it and i don't know how but that's awesome uh we decided that day it was time to fix that problem and you know i had always been around the brand and and it was just the one brand i kind of gravitated towards i felt like they had the best light technology you know casey with the pods and before all the led stuff started coming out but the how many years were, ago was that sorry that was 2013 we started okay. officially yeah okay. we were i think cool. 12 season we were on, we made the switch at the, i believe the end of that season actually no 12 4 12 we switched to kc okay so that was our championship year and we ran those at vegas reno we actually had the pot we had four pods on the roof we had uh the led bars on the front we had you know so that was like the turning point for us being able to be fast at night because before that it was just it was like just kind of squint and hope you did good and, and the cars weren't as fast then as we built that car in 12 it became it was became that thing where we we we're going fast legitimately now we need to be able to see and their technology and the support setting up the lights and doing all the tuning and stuff and helping us make sure we had our stuff where it needed to be for race day was the kind of thing awesome. that set them apart i think for us and the, and the relationship has just continued to grow. Yeah, it's so. never stopped since. You know, we've have had you them upgraded? Uh, yeah. So we well, we're, our setup now we have a we have a bunch of flex bars. We have two twenties on the roof, two tens on the front, and then uh, four sets of the duels on the front. We have a couple angled sets, so when you break over in the rocks, you can see down below yourself. Uh, and then we also have a ton of the cyclones around right. for work lights. So there's nothing you can't work on on the car at night where you need a headlight. You can do work on brakes, change tires, belts Probably on makes the all engine, the drive, right? even drive line, even the whole tunnel's lit. So if you have to change a drive line or something, or wiring becomes a problem, anything like that. Uh, we had a we had a steering failure at 
at uh, the Mint 400, and, and we had to go hike back out eight miles. And we, you know, at night we had to swap parts to get the car out, and having that, having all that light in, in the tunnel to work with those little bolts and stuff. Right. Was, I mean, it was, it's a lifesaver. That's awesome. The trophy truck we did with that, we had six pods on the roof of it, flexes on the bumper, and then again cyclones throughout the car. Um, when you're when you're going through those gardens, how fast do you think you guys are usually going? In the rock gardens? Yeah. Well, like if you see a race like nationals where we're hitting the ro the front rock pile, I mean, you could be over 40 miles an hour so, in the yeah, rocks. It looks I mean, pretty it's, fast. It's I, such I just a bad can't idea. Tell. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, just so hard on everything. But it's a drag race. Like you can't if you let if you let off somebody else isn't going to, and you give up your spot. You yeah, know? Right. I mean, you, So you have to protect. You have you have to protect your spot. Well, you know. I mean, I only bring it up because like talk about abuse. I mean, let it wash, washboard roads alone. Like that rock garden and at that speed is just destroying things, right? Yeah, and you, I mean, you know, you go pound whoops in the desert for anywhere from 150 to 1,000 miles at a time. Like, stuff's coming apart, you know. You, yeah. have to, you have to make sure. We don't choose anything. I think that was the last time we learned to not choose something based on whatever's offered. Like, we decided to or only price go. Or something. Yeah, it's yeah. not about how much. Who, who you give chose you, it. Yeah, it's not about who will give you something or who gives you the cheapest stuff. It's like, if you're going to push the limit and you really want to, not have failures and go out and have a good experience and or win you know whether it's f for fun or for racing like you choose what you think is going to get you there that's not going to be a problem and the, you don't the, need light, to make the lights have done pretty well for you we've never had a problem no doubt uh, yes yeah, so I, bl I, bl I blew up one pod on a tree <laughs> oh. <laughs> but uh i believe it was the, you know i can't but blame, not, can't blame like the light the li for that one i mean it wasn't we, the light itself we smoked it with a branch so i mean it it was still there even actually it was just kind of hanging out so <laughs> i had to reach up with my every time i'd hit the brakes and gas it would swing around and slam into my <laughs> a pillar so i grabbed my knife i have a belt cutter hook on it so i hit the, had to hit the gas and the brakes and time it so i could catch the cords and cut them and pull the light back into the cab and uh, awesome. we threw it into the pit and took off again. So actually, the light was still in one piece. That's rad. Yeah, we right saved on. it. It's still there at the house. <laughs> um, David, are you running on KC's too? Yes, I am. OK, because I mean, I wasn't even expecting you to be here today. Yeah. And you showed up with Nick, which is great. Um, but so what are you running? Um, I started off running their products on like some Jeep builds I had uh, back in the day. And then when I built Ultra 4 car, um, decided to go with them again. They've just been an awesome company. From the get-go, even back before I raced or anything, you call them. Customer support was great, um, but I went with the flexes. I got 18 flexes on it and about 10 cyclones. Um, I had my first year we raced Ridgecrest at night. We had a race after these guys. The course was just chewed to garbage, and luckily had uh, KCs got through and put her on the box. So it was awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Right on. No, I mean, it's it's really cool to hear about, like, as we, we've interviewed a bunch of people this these past three days, and a lot of them have been, like, you know, overlanders or, you know, crawlers. But um, the racing and being able to be part of somebody's success, that's huge for a company. Like, it's great to be part of the adventure and get out there and have people have great experiences. But to truly, like, quantify it, to put a number to it, that's, I mean, that's pretty epic. So, yeah. It takes an army to be successful. Right. And that's every company you work with, the, your friends that come in pit, like all the support. It really is a combination of just everyone's effort to have a good program. And Casey's just an awesome partner. Well, the fact that you guys chose us to be part of that success and that, that you know, program is, is awesome. Thank oh, you. Thank you. So if anybody wants to, to find out more about you guys, um, where can they go? 
Uh, Instagram, you know, is probably the easiest. It's at the N Nelson. And uh, we have obviously Facebook pages, athlete page, stuff like that. And nicknelsonmotorsports.com. All right, very cool. Uh, David? Yeah. I'm uh, on Instagram, David Hartman 4874. And then on uh, Facebook, David Hartman, Hartman Racing Inc. So awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome hearing uh, you guys' uh, you know, where you came, came from and how you're doing now. And it uh, sounds, like, sounds like both you guys are growing in the same direction. Yeah, we're looking forward to a new project in KC, so hopefully we'll start letting some details out about that soon. It should be it's pretty rad. Hope to have it here for you guys next year. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Bye, guys.